Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. On this podcast, we try to focus on uh, real issues that affect us as leaders of churches and ministry organizations. And today I want to talk about an issue that's come up recently uh, in a conversation I've had with a person who was considering pastoral ministry. The concern that was raised, and one that's been raised with me before, is uh, reluctance to enter pastoral ministry because of the the supposed negative impact that might have on a family. Now, the Bible uh, is pretty clear that pastoral ministry uh, is a family calling, and pastors have families. In, sec- in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, the Bible says, for example, that a pastor must be the husband of one wife, and then a little later in the chapter, it says the pastor must be one who manages his own household competently, having his children under control with all dignity. Now, most of the time when we work through this passage, there's a great deal of attention given to what those phrases mean. Uh, What does it mean to be the husband of one wife? Does that mean you have to be married? Does that mean you can never have been divorced, etc.? And then that phrasing about keeping, uh, about managing children well and keeping a household under control is also uh, explained, and, and, and there's a lot of speculation and a lot of really sometimes controversy about what people think those passages mean. But I want to back up from trying to analyze the word by word to a more of a macro view of the passage, which simply says this, pastors have families. They have wives, they have children, and they're supposed to be healthy families in the context of pastoral ministry. One of the myths of pastoral ministry is that Being a pastor is somehow detrimental to family life or to family health or to the individual spirituality of family members. That can be true, but it certainly doesn't have to be true. And in fact, I would go so far as to say this. If pastoral ministry is being done in a way that's destructive to families, it's not that pastoral ministry is the problem. It's the way it's being done. That's the problem. And so pastors have families. They have wives. Uh, They have children, and they have to learn how to manage those relationships well and manage their pastoral ministry well so that families can flourish in the context of pastoral ministry. Now let's talk about that flourishing for just a moment. For a person to flourish in pastoral ministry, uh, their spouse, their wife, has to be very supportive of what they do. Now, don't stereotype this. It's important to recognize that that support can come in many forms and uh, being, be expressed in many ways. Uh, I've tried to summarize uh, three of those in my book, Is God Calling Me? Uh, I talk about these models. First of all, in some pastoral marriages, the wife is, uh, shares the same calling in a sense that she has long since, uh, she's long felt that God has called her to be a pastoral uh, supportive partner, to be a pastor's wife, if you want to say it that way, and to work in pastoral ministry along with her husband, uh, a shared sense of calling. And then others have what I've called a a, a compatible calling, and that is where two people come together and they work together uh, in pastoral ministry, but maybe they work in different arenas or different spheres of ministry. And I would say my wife and I have had this model over the years. Uh, While I was serving in pastoral ministry, my wife worked alongside me to be sure, but she did a lot of other things in the church that really expressed her gifts and her interests. So she didn't really do pastoral things in the sense of trying to mimic what I did and to 
help me fulfill the role that I had. She did things that I would describe as being more supportive and uh, of the church's overall work and being engaged in ministry uh, through the church that expressed her gifts and her abilities. For example, my wife always worked in preschool ministry and children's ministry and really poured her heart and soul into doing that kind of supportive work of the total ministry of the church. And then another model is what I call a, just a simply a, a supportive model, and that is where uh, a spouse says that while she may not, be, may not feel specifically called into pastoral ministry, she's certainly supportive of her husband as he endeavors to fulfill that responsibility. Uh, I have one friend that's a pastor who has this kind of model in his marriage. His wife has been a legal professional for their entire marriage. They've been uh, married for about 40 years, and he's been a pastor for almost that long. And she has served faithfully in the churches where he's been the pastor. She's taught Sunday school, sang on the worship team, participated in other ways as an active Christian person would. But if you ask her, do you feel uh, that that you fulfill a traditional role as a pastor's wife, she'd say, not really. I am married to the pastor, but I don't really think of myself as the pastor's wife. Uh, Again, she's not putting that role down. She's just simply saying that's not how she defines herself. So in pastoral marriage, for the relationship to be healthy and to be uh, for for, uh, the marriage to flourish in pastoral ministry, there has to be this foundational understanding that a husband and wife are in it together. And if they're in it together, that can take different forms. Be careful not to stereotype it. You can have a, a shared sense of calling. You can have a, con- a compatible sense of calling. You can have a supportive sense of calling. But somehow, you're able to join together in getting the work done. And then I would go on to say that if you're a pastoral family and, or a pastoral couple and you've been given uh, children, that those children have to be taught that God has carefully placed them in a pastoral family, and that that was an intentional design by him. Uh, They weren't sentenced or somehow by accident placed in a pastoral family. They were, by God's will and direction, placed in the perfect setting for them to flourish as children and to grow into adulthood in that environment in a healthy and meaningful way. So the Bible says that pastors are to... Uh, be the husbands of one wife and be good managers of their households and particularly of their children. And that means that uh, spouses have to work together to create a partnership which supports pastoral ministry and that children have to be taught that they have a, uh, a unique role and a unique place but also a unique opportunity that comes to them from being a pastoral family. Now this conversation I had not long ago which raised these issues was by a young man who said, well I I don't really want to be a pastor because I've seen really up close and personal what it can do to a, to a family. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it was my dad. My dad was a pastor, and he was in a church that had some pretty serious conflict, and ultimately some of the people in the church started taking out that conflict on my dad, and, and he wound up being fired from his church. And when he was fired, that had a really negative impact on me and on my brothers, and um, we we became uh, we we really struggled. We we had financial hardship. We had emotional turmoil. We had to move eventually from the community and change schools. It was just a really hard time for us, and and that's what happened to us uh, as a pastoral family. I said, well, I understand that happened to you. I said, what what's your dad doing these days? He said, well, my dad's a pastor. Now I asked that question because I already knew the answer. I said, what's your dad doing these days? He said, well, my dad's a pastor. I said, oh, okay, so your dad was able to move through that pain and difficulty and reconnect with his uh, pastoral calling and eventually move on to another church. Yeah, yeah, he did. And your mom? Oh, yeah, she went right with him, of course. She 
She's、uh, with, it, with him there as they're serving together. Okay, uh huh. So, what about, what, what about the rest of your siblings? Oh, they're doing this in church or that in church, and one of them's even become a pastor. And I said, Well, what, what about you then? You seem to be the only one who's still struggling with this issue of what happened to your dad. And he, he looked at me with a kind of a surprised look on his face and said, Wow, I, I never really thought of it that way. I said, You see, friend, you're using what happened to your dad as an excuse to keep yourself、uh, from answering God's call to become a pastor, when in reality, your dad's already moved on through the difficulty and so's the rest of your family, but you, you seem to want to hold on to this. And that was a moment, kind of break, a moment of breakthrough for him because he realized, you know, I, I can't hold on to this. I, I have to let this go now. The good news is、uh, that guy ultimately moved forward and, and, and became a pastor, for which I'm, I'm really glad to say、uh, he was able to confront and deal with the, what he was hiding behind that was keeping him from obeying God's call. He, he was saying, I don't want to be a pastor because I think it will have a negative impact on my family. And he was saying that because of the pain he felt of having been in a pastor's family that had some hardship and difficulty come to it. But what he was failing to recognize was that hardship and reality is a part of life, and it's certainly a part of being a pastor sometimes. And that hardship and difficulty had been overcome by everyone else in the family, but he was holding on to it as a way to excuse himself from obeying God and doing what he knew he was responsible to do moving forward. Don't do that. Don't hide behind、uh, the myth that. Pastoral ministry is always bad or always difficult for a family.、Uh, don't hide behind that myth and excuse yourself from not pursuing God's call because of what you think or perceive or what you might fear could happen to your family. In reality,、uh, pastoral ministry and the ministry in general is a fantastic place to have a flourishing family. Now, a few years ago, I asked my children、uh, this question. What, is, what are some of the good things about our lives that you look back on that were simply、uh, that, that happened because、uh, I was a pastor or I was in ministry and you were able to grow up in that kind of environment? And my children and I、uh, worked together on this list, and, and I think that these are some of the good things that, that, could, that are part of being a pastor's family or being a ministry family. First of all,、uh, your family gets to go to work with you and see what you do. Now, this might seem a little strange, but think about it. Most people, or most children, never get to see their parents work. Now, back in the old days, when most of the parents worked on a farm or a ranch or someplace close by, children got to watch their parents work. But nowadays, mom and dad get up early in the morning and they, they leave and they go to a faraway place and they do something called work and then they come home. But ministry children have the opportunity to see their parents in action, especially to see their father in pastoral ministry. They get to see him preaching and teaching and counseling with people and working with people to develop their lives and see transformation take place. And they get to be a part of all of that. Now, I, I, how this, how, this was really impressed on me years ago when I left pastoral ministry and went to work as a denominational executive. In that sense, I became like a lot of other people. I, I left. Uh, a setting where my children saw me at work all the time, and I went to work in a different location every day, or I traveled and spoke and did things that my children didn't get to observe. So, after I'd been doing that for a little while, my, my son,、uh, who was about five at the time,、uh, said to his mom one day,、um, What does daddy do? And my wife said, Well, your, your, your daddy's an executive director now, he, he works for the Northwest Baptist Convention. 
And my son said, I, I know that. But what does he do? The question he was asking was, who is my dad and where did he go and why don't I get to be a part of that anymore? So my son and I had some conversations about what I did and how he was still a part of that and how I could help him to understand that as he grew up and as he moved forward in life. But that conversation really crystallized for me that my children had always been able to share in what I did and found some satisfaction in knowing what their dad did for work. Now, another part of that is your, your family gets to go to work with you. Uh, one of the best memories that my oldest son shares is his time with, uh, as, a, as a young boy while we were planting the church in Oregon. Every Saturday night when we would go to set up the church, he would always ask if he could go. And I think sometimes he just wanted to get out of going to bed on time. But nevertheless, he always wanted to go. And we would take him up for the setup time. And he would help roll out the carpet, set up the chairs, put together the Sunday uh, worship folders, get the technology ready. And he started doing this when he was just about seven or eight years old. And all during those early years, he spent hours and hours with me helping to get the church uh, planted. And my other two children did the same as they got old enough to participate as well. Uh, I, I know that some of our you know, best memories and really best photos from those, day, those days in our family were photographs that we took of our children helping roll up the carpet, pick up the chairs, helping do the work of preparing for or taking down from the worship service each week in our portable church. So your children get to go to work with you, and they get to see what you do, and they get to share in it in a way that other families simply aren't, aren't allowed to do. A second benefit that our children talked about with me is this. In a pastor's family, uh, everyone gets to benefit from a flexible, flexible work schedule. Now, I have a friend who jokingly says, the ministry's uh, great. You can work your 60 hours a week anytime you want to. Well, I hope you're not working 60 hours every week, but uh, his, his point was well taken. Sometimes there are difficult, long weeks where there's a lot of work that has to be done. But sometimes... Um, we, we overlook the fact that we can manage those hours that we, so that we can work them in ways that are really beneficial to our family. For example, when my children were in grade school, I was often the only father who could show up for a midday or an afternoon activity. If there was a school play or an awards assembly or something like that, um, I'd look around and there might be other moms there, but I was typically the only dad. Now, why was that? Well, because most people don't have the flexibility of schedule that people in ministry leadership have. When I was a pastor, for example, I could uh, take time off in the afternoon, go to a school program, because I knew in that evening I was going to be either counseling someone or making visits or doing something that would take me out uh, away from my kids and from my family. And so I offset that by taking time in the afternoon to be with them. I would often go home in the afternoon so that I could be there when my children came home from school and I could have an hour, hour and a half with them in the afternoon uh, leading up to dinner because I knew that after dinner I would have to leave for a counseling appointment or leave for a visit, a visit with someone about spiritual matters, maybe leave for a church meeting. And so because of that flexible schedule, I was able to involve myself with my children in all kinds of activities that other fathers were not able to share. Another aspect of the flexible work schedule and the benefit of being in a pastoral ministry situation is that um, I was able to speak at some conferences and to minister to some other places while I was in ministry, pastoral ministry and then even as I moved into being a denominational executive. And while I was doing that, I often took my children with me. Uh, one or sometimes all of them would accompany me. And this was sometimes just a, a, to a banquet or to an event or something locally where we could ride in a car, talk together, spend the evening together. But it was also on some other trips that we took. 
we didn't have, you know, like a lot of money back in those days. And, and we were always trying to find a way to do things uh, that we couldn't otherwise afford. And so when I would get invited to speak somewhere, um, I would usually take whatever money that they paid me to do that and use it to offset the expense of taking my family with me. And so our family got to go to some unique places. We got to go to Hawaii once. We got to go to Puerto Rico once. We got to go to Washington, D.C. once. And we wouldn't have been able to do those things on the normal salary that I had, but because we had these extra opportunities that came along, we, we leveraged that to get our children to be able to go some places and do some things that they would not have otherwise been able to do. And so whether it's just a trip across town to a banquet or to an associational meeting or to some kind of a dinner that you might be speaking at, or whether it's a trip across the country where you're able to take your children to experience something they might not otherwise get to experience, these kinds of benefits come to us from our flexible work schedule and the opportunities we have with the kind of work that we do. Another benefit that we were able to identify was this. Uh, your family gets to know on a personal basis the best people on earth. That's church people. Uh, now, I know, sometimes church people can be difficult. They can be maddening. Uh, they can just, uh, to put it in a phrase, drive you crazy. But most of the time, that's not true. Most of the time, surrogate aunts and uncles and grandparents and people that you might work with if your church is large enough to have some fellow staff members, those are the best people in the world. Uh, I've said on a number of occasions, uh, when the chips are down and when the days are dark, uh, I want to have a bunch of church people around me, and quite frankly, I'll take a bunch of Baptist church people around me. I, I've seen the power that is, uh, that, that, and the support that comes from church people who really care about pastors and ministry leadership, people in ministry leadership. A number of years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, and on the morning of my surgery, we had to be at the hospital at 6 a.m., so about five till six, my wife and I came uh, walking in. I remember it was still dark outside. We walked out of the dark and through the uh, doors into a well-lit lobby. And sitting there at 6.00 a.m. in the morning were three couples from our church. And quite honestly, I, I was a little shocked by that. I, I was kind of taken aback. And so I, I, as I walked in and, and they all stood up, I, I just sort of blurted out, what are, what are you doing here? And I didn't mean it in, a, in, a, in an accusatory way, like, what are you doing here? I meant it in a kind of a startled way. What, what are you doing here? And I'll never forget, and this is an exact quote, what one of the men said. He looked at me, and speaking for the group, he said, we're standing by. We're standing by. And then he said, whatever you need, Pastor, we're here to take care of your family and do whatever you need to get through this. Man, I have tears in my eyes just telling you this story. That, that day, I, I just kind of fell apart emotionally. I mean, where does God, God get good people like this who get up, get dressed, and show up at a hospital at 6 o'clock in the morning just to sit there with your wife while you have surgery and let you know before you go in, we're standing by. We're here. We're here for you. So I know church people can drive you crazy. I know that they can do dumb things. They can make your life miserable on certain occasions. I know they can be obstinate about change. I know they can be, uh, in a thousand ways, a challenge. But I also know that church people, fellow Christians, are the best people on earth. They'll stand with you when you're hurting. They'll support you when, you, when you're in trouble, when you need help. Uh, they'll take care of you when you don't deserve it. Uh, church people. Some of the very best friends that my children have today are still adults 
who took an interest in them when they were children. And then as my children have become adults and those adults have become grandchildren, my children still have fond relationships, deep relationships with these people who taught them in Sunday school, who took them on youth trips, who otherwise cared for them and made an impact in their lives. Another uh, blessing of pastoral ministry, family blessing, is your family gets to see God at work uh, up close and personal. Now, in pastoral families, of course, uh, pastors maintain confidentiality. We don't talk about our work. We don't expose secrets or tell people, uh, uh, tell our family inappropriate things that we know about other people. But in spite of the fact that we work toward confidentiality, um, our children and our, our wives, they, they know more about what's going on than most church members do. They know details about uh, people who are struggling, people who are hurting, uh, they hear your phone conversations. They, they overhear private conversations. Uh, they, they, they are aware of what's going on in the lives of people. And I remember on a number of occasions, uh, I would say something, some, something would come up at the dinner table at our house, and I would say something like, well, you know, that, that person's just really struggling right now. And one of my children would say, yeah, Dad, I know. And how would they know? Well, because maybe that person's child had talked to my child, or maybe my child had overheard a phone conversation that I had had, or, or, or any of another dozen ways that information in a family, you know, gets circulated. But my, my children and my wife, they just sometimes knew more than other people knew. And they also knew the, the victories, the good sides, the positives. And they saw God at work in bringing transformation, healing, salvation, uh, and uh, all the good things that happen as God is at work in the lives of people, your children get to see that up close and personal. And then finally, another blessing is your family gets to know other Christian leaders uh, in a more personal way. I remember a number of years ago, uh, I had a very well-known person come and speak at our church. He was uh, in his mid-60s. He was a very intense uh, kind of man, a little bit intimidating, honestly, Reminded me, I always said, of an army colonel when he came into the room. Uh, was a teacher that uh, was very serious and about what he taught. And not a lot of humor, not a lot of illustrations, just a, a lot of really serious Bible teaching. You know the kind of person I'm describing. Well, I invited this person to come and speak at our church, and then I invited him and his wife to come to our home on Saturday night before the meeting started on Sunday just for an opportunity not only to get to know him better, but also to uh, learn from him and just to welcome him to our community. So this uh, rather, uh, you know, tough, austere kind of a fellow comes to my house, knocks on the door, I open the door, I greet him. It's wintertime. He walks in, I take off, he takes off his coat, hands it to me. I turn around and hang his coat up in a coat closet, and I turn back around, and he's gone. Now I have a moment of panic because he's, he's, he's vanished. And I, I, I kind of look around and I realize I have a very small house with a very small entryway and there's no possible way he could have gotten away from me. And I'm wondering if he went back outside. This all flashes through my mind in just like a few seconds. And then I sensed something below me and I look down and this man is laying in my living room floor with his feet stuck out into the entrance hall. He's laying on the living room floor on his stomach, looking at my toddler son sitting there playing with a toy, and he starts waving his hands or his arms side to side like he's a bird trying to take off and making funny noises at my son. 
and my little toddler son just starts laughing hysterically. And I stand there looking at this man on the floor, this massive, giant man of God that I had built up on this huge pedestal of how he was going to act when he came to my home. And I look down, and he's laying on my floor, acting like a bird trying to take off, making these goofy sounds to my son, who's just laughing his head off. And I realized that my son was having a privilege that no one else in our church was ever going to get. And over the years, I was able to introduce my children to all kinds of Christian leaders, not only deacons and elders in our church, but guest speakers who came to us and other places where I took my children where they got to meet different people. And I remember one particular man who just made a connection with my oldest son when he was a teenager. And every time that guy saw me afterwards, he would ask about my son. And quite often he would hand me a bill, like a 20 or one time it was even a 100. And he would say, make sure your son gets this for something he needs while he's in high school. He just always had a little bit of a way to encourage my son because of the connection they made when we were speaking together at an event. All I'm simply trying to illustrate is this. Your children have the opportunity to meet Christian leaders and to know them on a level that other people simply do not have. Well, this podcast started by me talking about the fact that someone raised an objection to me about pastoral ministry because they didn't want it to negatively impact their family. I'm telling you, pastoral ministry is not an automatically negative impact on family. It's a family matter, to be sure. The Bible recognizes that. And pastors and their wives have to be in a mutuality of partnership to get the job done, and their children have to be taught that God's placed them in a ministry family on purpose, and it's a good thing. And then, rather than just focusing on the negative, and there's always negative about any occupation or any profession and how it has to be done and how it impacts family, rather than just focusing on the negative, I've tried to walk you through some positive aspects of what it means to be in ministry as a family. There are some benefits that come that are unique and special to those of us who are in ministry leadership. So today, if you're in pastoral ministry or you're thinking about it, or you're in some other kind of ministry responsibility that has some similarities, listen. It's a place your family can thrive. And if your family's not thriving, get some help. Get some diagnostic help and some counseling help and some encouragement help to figure out what you can do to make a difference and change the direction your family's going. Because pastoral ministry and the ministry in general is a place where families can be healthy, where families can flourish, and where we can celebrate the benefits of what it means to be in ministry together. It's part of being a leader, leading in your family. So figure out what that means and do it effectively. And let's lead on.